Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 1. Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 1. He showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. He showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. God is appearing to Zechariah in a vision and is showing to him the person of Joshua, the high priest at the time of the Jews' return from captivity in Babylon under Zerubbabel. Uh, This return took place in 538 BC. Now in this vision, Joshua is standing before one called the Angel of the Lord. This is none other than the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Son of God, active in his world prior to his incarnation. And again, we have a wonderful example here of Christ in all the scriptures. Uh, The incarnation would not be for another 500 years, uh, but it is Christ uh, who is appearing in this vision. Now we read in this first verse, he showed me Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. So as well as the eternal son of God and Joshua, there is a third being in this vision. We are told that Satan, the fallen angel, is standing at Joshua's right hand in order to resist him. Now, Satan is the chief opponent of the work of God in any age. And Joshua, as the spiritual leader of God's people, is therefore here in this vision receiving Satan's closest attention. So, Zechariah sees the devil himself opposing Israel's high priest. Zechariah is thus being made to see the great satanic activity which was now being engaged against the rebuilding of the temple and the re-establishment of God's people in the promised land. And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Those doing God's work must expect Satan's opposition. It is God's work to rebuild the temple. 
That is why Satan is standing alongside Joshua to resist him. There is accordingly the same satanic opposition to the work of Christ and his people today. That is why uh, we are exhorted in Ephesians 6 and verse 11 to put on the whole armour of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And Paul goes on in that passage. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. So we are taught that all true believers are involved in a cosmic battle with demonic forces under the leadership of Satan. All perversions of Christianity and all false religions and philosophies are satanic in their origin. We live in a world where Satan has the upper hand in human terms. God, of course, has infinite power over Satan. But scripture tells us that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And so we need to understand that we are living in an environment where there is a satanic assault upon Christian truth. And Paul just referred to the wiles of the devil. This assault is often subtle and sophisticated so that Christians can be deceived. One of the masterstrokes of Satan in our own day is the multi-faith movement. The notion that all religions are of equal validity. The notion that all monotheistic religions worship the same God. So there's no need to evangelise Jews and Muslims. Scripture plainly refutes such ideas. Yet they are an inevitable consequence of the multiculturalism which our liberal secular politicians have imposed upon us. There is throughout the world at the present time an appalling level of persecution against Christians and it hardly ever makes the headlines that shows us that we live in a world 
in Satan's grasp. Christians are being murdered in cold blood whilst we speak and it never makes the headlines. In the Middle East, Christians have been consistently driven out of their ancient homelands. This persecution is the work of Satan in its ultimate origin. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now, Peter was writing those words to persecuted Christians. And he told them that their fellow believers elsewhere in the world were suffering as well. So this is the inevitable consequence of following Christ. Satan, whose domain is this world, is aroused in opposition. Of course, he's not aroused in opposition to compromised Christianity. He has nothing to fear from a Christianity, so-called, which tries to please the world. Here in Zechariah 3, the Old Testament high priest Joshua, who has led the people out of captivity in Babylon, foreshadows the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our great high priest today, who leads sinners out of their captivity to the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so we are to expect the world's opposition and the world's mistreatment. The Lord Jesus Christ said to the church at Smyrna in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer, Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. So there our Lord makes it plain that the devil is behind the imprisonment of God's people for their faith. And so Christians are being sorely mistreated all around the world. And there is not that much open opposition to it. 
We were told there in Revelation 2.10 that the trial of God's people will only be for 10 days, a symbolic limited period. In other words, it will not be forever. The trial will result also in an eternal crown of life. Well, as we uh, mentioned a moment ago, 1 John 5, 19, we are told that the whole world lieth in wickedness. And that's a reference to the power of Satan. Let us make no mistake about this. We live in an anti-Christian world which is under Satan's sway. This fact is supremely demonstrated in the earthly life of our Lord himself. The men of this world sought to kill him even as soon as he was born. And his parents had to flee with him into Egypt. Later on in his early 30s, our Lord spent three and a half years healing people and teaching them about God. And because of that, the religious establishment felt it necessary to expend all their efforts to have him put to death. Again, it was Satan behind this appalling level of malice towards the Lord. Our Lord said to his enemies on one occasion, uh, in John 8, verse 44, he said, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He is a liar and the father of lies. So it was Satan who instigated the Lord's crucifixion. It was under the sovereignty of God, of course, but Satan was behind it. Satan can only do what God permits him to do. And so in God's providence, the cross actually worked out to the accomplishment of Satan's ultimate destruction. Thus, as our Lord went to the cross, uh, he declared in John 12, verse 31, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Who is the prince of this world? It is Satan. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Through our Lord's death at Calvary, Satan's hold over the hearts and minds of men would forever be broken. A way of escape from Satan's clutches would be opened up. 
the author to the Hebrews explains to us that our Lord's incarnation, perfect life and subsequent death were precisely in order to destroy the power of the devil over sinful men. Hebrews 2 verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So when the Christian gospel is being preached to unbelievers today, we are in a battle with demonic forces. These demonic forces hold unbelievers in their grasp. Paul says this of non-Christians in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 25. God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So every sophisticated non-believer out there has been taken captive by Satan. Christian conversion is nothing less than being released from the snare of the devil. So, Zechariah says in this first verse, he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Here in this vision, Zechariah is being reminded that the spiritual leader of God's people, Joshua, is up against the resistance and malice of Satan himself as he seeks to direct the people in resettling the promised land and in rebuilding the temple. Here is a reminder to Israel that the return to the land has deep spiritual significance. It is part of God's purpose to send to them a future king who will also be the saviour of the world. So the return from Babylon is the setting up of the circumstances whereby in God's purposes the saviour will appear in his temple. Small wonder then that Satan, God's great adversary, is taking a close interest in all that is happening in Zechariah's day. Our Lord spoke of Satan's malicious activity against 
the establishment of his kingdom in Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verse 24, for example. The Lord explains that the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man that sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares also among the wheat and went away. But when the blade sprang up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. The enemy there is Satan. And so our Lord explains in Matthew 13 and verse 37, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man, and the field is the world, and the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy that sowed them is the devil. So Satan and his demons are at work to hinder the establishment of God's kingdom. Scripture tells us that when men reject God, it is the work of Satan which is behind it. That doesn't make the men who reject God any less guilty. No one can say, oh, it wasn't my fault, Satan made me do it. Because there is a principle that if you resist Satan, he will flee from you. So no one will be able to claim that they could not help it because they were the victims of Satan. But Satan's power over men is universal. Every non-believer is under Satan's sway, even though he probably doesn't acknowledge Satan's existence. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 teaches this. The God of this world, Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So every single non-Christian is blinded by the devil. And that is why for a conversion to Christ to take place, there has to be a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit to remove the satanic blindness resting on people's hearts. And so Christian conversion is so much more than just a simple human decision to try out a different lifestyle. Christian conversion is being released from Satan's stranglehold. Gospel preaching is part of the cosmic spiritual conflict whereby demonic forces are challenged and overcome by the power of Christ. 
we today shall only see conversions if our prayer meetings are packed with earnest believers crying out to God that his power might be brought down. You see, the stranglehold of Satan is not going to be lifted by a few smooth words. It needs the power of God. So our evangelistic endeavour must be accompanied by an earnest seeking for power to overcome Satan's power. And so here in Zechariah 3, the prophet is being shown the reality of Satan's opposition to God's work in his own day. We read in verse 2 here, The Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Now it is God's will that Jerusalem is rebuilt to his glory. But Satan is standing alongside Joshua as the leader of the Lord's people in order to resist him. And so the Lord Jesus Christ says to Satan, The Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Your opposition to my father's work is futile. How dare you, a mere created angel who rebelled, have the effrontery in your foolish pride to oppose what almighty God has decreed? So here, even in Old Testament times, we see the Son of God confronting Satan's arrogant lordship over man. Rebuking Satan and giving him a forewarning of his doom. This is all in anticipation of the ultimate triumph which our Lord would accomplish over Satan when he would come down to earth as a man and die upon the cross. The Lord himself, of course, knew all about the assaults of Satan. Matthew 4, verse 8. The devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So right at the beginning of our Lord's public ministry, the devil tried to prevent him from proceeding with his work. 
and he used a very subtle ploy. He offered to the Lord a universal dominion whereby people would universally welcome him. He offered him the kingdoms of this world. We need to realise that when the world talks about the brotherhood of man and the nations of the earth coming together, it is satanic. When the world talks about the abolition of the nation-state as a relic of the past and rather the need for global activity for the whole earth to come together as one, that is satanic. This is why we wanted to come out of the European Union, because God has ordained nations. Not being political, this is a biblical principle. And so we have to confront satanic activity. And one of Satan's ploys today is to make us believe in the necessity of global togetherness. And Christians are in danger of being taken in. If we come together, all the nations of the world, we can together confront all the problems. If we come together, we can deal with global warming. So we have to be on our guard. We, of course, also remember how as our Lord went about preaching and healing, he had to confront much demonic activity. And so he would be found casting out many evil spirits. You see, Satan and his demons went into overdrive when the Lord appeared upon the earth. The Lord also gave to 70 of his disciples the power to cast out evil spirits. Luke 10, verse 17. Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. As the gospel was preached, people were drawn to the Saviour. This was Satan being toppled from his ascendancy. When Peter tried to discourage the Lord from going through with the agony of the cross, Jesus, knowing that it was God's will that he went to Calvary, said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. 
So Satan used even Jesus' close associate, Peter, to try and stop him carrying out his father's will. We must be on our guard today in our own Christian walk to be wary of Satan's wiles trying to stop us from doing God's will. Satan may even try to work through those who are close to us in order to make us stumble. You see, he tried and used Peter, who was very close to the Lord. We further read in this verse 2 here, the Lord Jesus Christ says concerning Joshua, Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? The reference is to all the returned captives who are represented in Joshua's person. They have all been plucked from the fire of God's judgment in Babylon. The Lord has chosen to grant them mercy as they have repented of their former disobedience. The Lord has rescued them from the flames of judgment and he has restored them to their own land. This rescue from Babylon is a picture for us today of Christian salvation. Every non-believer is a citizen of Satan's kingdom, the world, Babylon. Therefore all are under God's wrath unless they turn from sin and come to Christ. Those who do repent of sin and come to Christ are plucked from the lake of fire which has been reserved for the devil and his angels. They are rescued from the place of eternal torment. And so we can say of any true believer, is not this a brand plucked out of the fire, rescued from Satan's grasp? When John Wesley was aged about six or seven, there was a fire in the vicarage where he grew up. And they quickly tried to get all the children out of the house. It was in the middle of the night. And uh, John Wesley's mother and father, as they stood outside the house, which was being totally engulfed by the fire. They looked around, counted their children, and one was missing. One was missing. They realised that John was still up in one of the bedrooms. And so some of the men, the neighbours, quickly got up on each other's shoulders to create a ladder 
John could be seen poking his head out of a window at the top with the flames all around him. The neighbours manage to rescue him. And as he was brought to safety and his mother Susanna picked him up in his arms, this is what she said. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? And that picture of Christian salvation and of course in that act of rescue this little boy would grow up and in God's providence lead many to the Saviour would cause many others to be plucked out of the fire which is Satan's stranglehold. So we see here Satan standing at Joshua's right hand in order to oppose him as he leads the work of rebuilding the temple, which is God's work. This tells us that the devil is the chief opponent of the work of God and he will use all kinds of subtle arguments to prevent the gospel being preached. And you know one of the arguments he's using today? If anyone dares to preach the truths of the Bible, oh, you're guilty of hate speech. That's one of the devil's arguments today. There is a satanic opposition to the building of the true church. All perversions of the Christian faith or compromise Christianity, along with all other false religion. It's all satanic in origin. All non-believers are in a universal allegiance to the devil himself. Satan right now is active in opposing men's reception of gospel truth. It is only through faith in Christ that Satan's hold over the hearts of men can ever be broken. It was at the cross that the prince of this world was cast out. It was at the cross that the power of Satan was broken. Gospel preaching, therefore, is a part of the cosmic spiritual conflict whereby demonic forces are challenged and overcome. If we are to defeat Satan, we must preach the gospel. And we must do it in the public places. And if there's something we need to be praying for right now is that we get a very rapid return to freedom to preach in public places. Because when a nation does not have that freedom, it is in a satanic darkness. 
we must engage in earnest prayer that Satan's power over the minds of men might be defeated. It is frightening the level of his power over the minds of men. And we who believe the gospel and proclaim it are the only ones who can break Satan's power. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of wickedness. Let us therefore pray down the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the satanic darkness which prevails in our land. Amen.